0: Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season five, episode 29, The Real McCoy. Mary, what happened
1: this week?
2: Kelly goes to New York with Steve to meet modeling agents or whatever. But before she goes, she warns Brandon to stay away from Val, who has been thirsting over him in a very less than subtle way. But also still Dylan, too bad Dylan's super busy past life regressing to his days as Billy McCoy, Wild West outlaw turned church-going father of two. Dylan sees past life Kelly in his regressions and learns from Dr. Molly that they have a seminal link, aka their soulmates for life. The student senate loves Brandon and they all hope he gets elected for a second term until it's announced that tuition will be raised 15% next semester. Alex gets elected instead, but at least Brandon got to eat cake. Also, he gets Val sabotaging his relationship in the background while convincing him Kelly has it out for her, so yay. Jim is worried about his job again and feels extra sad because his son isn't a president anymore. Jesse is offered a teaching job at Yale and manages to get them to reinstate Andrea's scholarship, so they get to go do that maybe. David and Claire won't hang out with Donna if Ray's going to be there. Also, they're still watching him, and now Donna is watching Val, but for Kelly, because like I said, Val's really lost her subtlety.
0: <laughs> the, the webs. The webs we are weaving. Man, the webs that Valerie is weaving. Like, she is the master black widow, just weaving and weaving and weaving. It's a whole thing. Like, should we just
1: start from the top? Sure. So, I don't know if you noticed. This episode is, uh, the story is written by Larry Mullen, the teleplay is written by Charles Rosen,
0: and it is directed by Jason Priestley. I did notice the directed by Jason Priestley moment. So it makes sense when you think about, you know, a lot of this episode is not featuring Brandon. I mean, there's a good chunk, but yeah. (laughs) Which is wild,
1: considering the storyline here.
0: I will say, though, they do tend to give Jason, like, kind of the more out there or tougher episodes to do. So, clearly, the powers that be have a whole lot of trust in him and his directing ability. Which, hey, I can't complain. Like, I'm not mad at the directing of this episode. There's things I'm mad at, but it's not that. (laughs) Exactly.
1: I was like, I cannot fault a single choice that Mm -hmm. Jason Priestley made here.
0: Actually, I have one one, but I don't know if it was his or the DP who decided mm. the final decision on this one camera angle, but we'll get there. We'll get there
1: because we we literally there's no other place to start than the beginning. So Brandon is hosting a student council meeting and he tries to make a motion to end the meeting, but Alex is like, hold on, I have to stop you there. This is the last time that you will be chairing the Senate for this semester, so I have a motion to make. And between Alex and Janice, they have somehow coordinated with Brandon's friends and family to commemorate, quote unquote, the Brandon years and bring in a cake. A giant cake. Yeah. Not just like a personal pan pizza sized cake. Like (laughs) this is a full graduation party. This is like when you're in eighth grade and you have to invite your entire class to your birthday.
0: Yeah. It's the biggest cake I've ever seen for a group under like 15.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it literally says the Brandon years on it. And Jim and Cindy come in. Steve and Kelly come in. Val. Like I started writing names down. And then at some point I was like, everyone's here.
0: Also Val. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, Val's there, the whole gang is there, and Janice gives this like big speech. It felt very like presidential, the speech that she gave. It was almost kind of like a a, a coronation of sorts, but instead for a farewell, and. There's a lot of language in it that I was like, hold on, let me parse this sentence out. Here's the subject. Here's the predicate. Okay. (laughs) Like, I had to think about it because there's so many commas. But basically just saying, like, you did a great job, Brandon, even though you weren't even supposed to be in this position to begin with. Like, (laughs) one final dig at you weren't actually officially elected, but hey, you did good. Um, And, like, Brandon gives a speech afterwards, which... I only wrote a couple of quotes from it, but Val is just mesmerized. He's all, you know, he's got a lot of poise.
1: (laughs) I know. And I don't get it because he's like, this is unexpected and totally bogus. And then she's like, he is such a wordsmith. (laughs) Yeah, He has
0: such a way with words.
1: (laughs) And he announces that he's running again next year, but he actually means he's running again this week
0: right and but also there's a little asterisk by that because he first has to go get his head examined to make sure this is a sane thought (laughs) it's honestly the weirdest experience
1: and like to invite someone's friends and family just for them to be like i'm actually not sure if i'm running again this this is my i am gonna do it but like (laughs) should i you know no i am gonna do it
0: Yeah, it's like he literally made the decision as, like, if they would not have given him cake and a speech, he definitely wouldn't have done it. I mean, definition
1: of Brandon, right? Like, failing upwards. (laughs) Yeah, very true. And he ends his whole speech that Val is mesmerized by, by saying, I don't know what else to say, but let them eat cake. Which,
0: a choice, if you know history. I kind of loved it because I don't think Brandon understands what it means. (laughs) You know, like I could easily see him being like, oh, yeah, you know, Marie Antoinette, she, I mean, she gave her people cake and you guys gave me cake. So this is just a fun play on words. (laughs) She was a head of state. I'm a head of state. The French are doing great. She was beheaded. I'm having my head examined. Same thing. (laughs)
1: Okay, but I could legitimately see a writer's room being like, this is beautiful. They're going to love it.
0: Yeah, which, like I said, I kind of loved
1: it. So they know what they're doing. (laughs) Exactly. I do love that he asks Kelly to, like, do the honors, and she's like, don't mind me. I'm just the
0: little woman behind the man. What is happening? What is this scene? Number one, she has to be a little woman because she's... (laughs) She's behind a little man. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, I hated that line. They immediately went from like a good thing to a
2: bad thing. Like a 180 just completely. It's just so weird. Did I you know. catch the joke that Brandon made when Kelly held up that knife? No. He made a Lorena Bobbitt joke. <gasps> oh,
0: yes. I Now I remember, but I didn't write it down.
2: Good Just catch. adding that to the list of topical things that maybe didn't age well
1: <laughs> right yeah facts
2: oh man and then
0: val continues with her like lusty eyes over brandon and asks donna how tight she thinks kelly and brandon are as if she hasn't been around the entire year
1: i'm like poor sweet little innocent Donna that they keep writing to be a lot dumber than she actually is
0: literally just says like oh Val yeah at least she says it with a little bit of like Val like (laughs) girl slow your roll because obviously you know Kelly's her best friend and all but yeah it's like why has it got to be Donna you know well and like yeah if anyone like
1: I feel like Donna should have been like Val shut up
0: Yeah, like, if that had been Claire, she wouldn't have even said it to Claire. But if it had been, Claire would have been like, dude, no, shut up. You're, no, stop. Get out. We're cutting it off here. Don't. But then, yeah, Donna is
1: very much like, oh, Val, like, it's nothing. But Mm -hmm. it's clearly something. And it's clearly very something with Donna. And Donna just doesn't know.
0: Right. So then we move forward to the student union. Brandon's talking about the election. Um Claire mentions that he's running unopposed and at this point there's some other dialogue I didn't write it down. When Brandon walks away, Val jumps up and is like, "Oh, oh. Brandon." <laughs> They're like, "Ma'am, can you be yeah. less thirsty? Please." Oh my god. Like I half expected David to be like, "Ma'am, this is a Wendy's." Like <laughs> totally just like the fuck are you doing? Cause especially because he was literally like, You have lost your touch. Like, cause he knows. Yeah. They both know how subtle, how like, you know, conniving and manipulative she can be. And all of a sudden she's literally chasing after him. Yeah, because realistically, it was like a
1: month, maybe more, before anybody found out what she did with Ray.
2: And mm-hmm. then Brandon,
0: it's like twelve minutes. Yeah, exactly. There was no plan. It was just opportunity. It was like she was waiting all day long in a duck blind trying to hunt a deer. And then all of a sudden, one just pops right in front of her. So she just shoots it.
1: (laughs) She could only be so lucky. Exactly. But yeah, so this other dialogue, we get like brief spurts of Jim talking to Cindy, which I think is possibly the funniest thing to me in this episode that jim and cindy just keep appearing and it's literally so jim can be like i wasn't invited to a meeting what does that mean
0: well i don't know you know like yeah it's very much like we need to point them in the direction of where they're going at the end of the season we don't know how so we'll just insert it
2: (laughs) yeah like i love that so much like i wrote down in my notes something like oh, we must be really getting to the end of the season because Jim's having career problems again. Exactly.
1: Yeah. They've gotten to, like, the end of James Eckhouse's contract, and they're like, I don't know what to do with him. Write it in the script.
0: I mean, because realistically, if Brenda moving out of the country wasn't going to take them out of Beverly Hills, it had to have been job-related. You know, Mm -hmm. like, nothing else would make them go away from their precious Brandon I mean it just wouldn't happen so that it has to be something that's out of his control
2: I hope they go to France and Brandon can't ever visit them (laughs) Brandon's just gonna find out and start crying
0: immediately (laughs) Brandon's gonna go home one day and the locks are gonna be changed
1: oh no went to France talk to you later mom and dad (laughs) au revoir like (laughs) see you never and then there's like little snippets like truly it's just snippets to advance other people's plots while Mm -hmm. we focus on brandon because brandon goes up to andre and jesse and he says that he's glad they blew off their clerkship in boise and then he mentions fan favorite jordan bonner
0: god i miss that guy i mean they even bring back that he couldn't go take andrea to the prom because he was sick and not in necessarily of dumping on him kind of way just like hey remember that time and i'm like oh i just miss him because he was so sweet i
1: mean this feels so emblematic of like the advent of facebook and the internet and all these things where people you know Got email and were immediately like, hey, Jordan Bonner, haven't talked to you in two years. How are you? And Jordan Bonner responds, hey, Brandon Walsh. I remember that time I almost took Andrea to the prom. LOL. Yeah.
0: T-T-Y-L. Like, totally. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Because I even think of it, you know, when our parents like always went went to their high school reunions and such because they didn't have Facebook or they didn't have um, everybody's number or things like that to keep up with. So they literally had no idea what these people had done for the last 20 years. But then, of course, our generation, we're like, nah, we don't want to pay like a hundred bucks to go sit and talk to people we don't want to see because we see their lives on Facebook. Yeah. And
1: like we do get to find out that Jordan Bonner is the editor of the Yale Daily News. Love that which, for him. Love that for him. And I love that Jesse's just like, oh, yeah, my old stomping grounds. Like, <laughs> all of this is to be like, remember Yale? Which, yes, we here at this
0: podcast remember Yale. See, but also – I think like everybody that was in this conversation, except Jesse, forgot that Jesse went to Yale because <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, you guys know I did four years there and lived to tell the tale. Like, And Brandon's probably like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, totally right. That's why I mentioned it.
2: <laughs> I love how that just sounded like prison and not <laughs> yeah. fancy college for smart right. people.
0: Yep. He, and he thought it was a joke, too, and neither of them even made, like, a smile. <laughs> Ugh. I just... Why did Andrea not go to Yale? Yale. Yale. <laughs> well, she might be about to. Um, but yeah, and then continuing on with just, like, little snippets, Steve is, of course, campaigning to be Brandon's campaign manager. Um, and apparently... Also, Kelly and Steve are going to New York for fashion stuff. I didn't write down any of this. But I did write down a really, really adorable moment because I still just want to go to bat for hashtag Brelly because Mm -hmm. I think they're the cutest couple. Because Kelly is – they're saying their goodbyes or whatever or at least like for now. And Kelly is like, you're the best. And Brandon goes, you're the best. And I don't know. It's not anything – complicated that might have even been an improv line by jason priestley who knows because i don't think the whole like you did this no you're this you know was a really (laughs) popular thing back in the mid 90s i could be wrong i was five it could have been popular with five-year-olds but that was adorable and so much so that i didn't write down anything else that steve or kelly or Braden said except for that line yeah the only thing
1: i wrote down so they're taking the red eye And there's a weird thing where, like, Brandon's really happy for Kelly and then, like, pulls Steve off to the side and is like, don't let anyone hit on her, which Mm -hmm. I'm fine with. I have no problems with. But then Val comes up and is like, hey, don't worry. While you're gone, which I think we can deduce that Kelly is gone for a full 24 hours and that's Mm -hmm. literally it. Mm -hmm. But Val says, hey, while you're gone, I'll take care of your guy. And Kelly's like, oh, you're going to make a move on Brandon? And Val goes, I'm talking about Dylan.
0: He's the one you dream about, isn't he? That whole moment with the stare down afterwards, that is what we call chemistry. And great scene partners because each one of them gives on either end of the camera angle. So you can just stay in that steely moment of I hate you, (laughs) which is what they're both saying underneath all that. Because of course The answer to the question of, is this your way of telling me that you're going to make a move on Brandon is yes, Mm -hmm. but she has to be like, she has to be manipulative and be like, well, no, I can pull one over you and say, no, I'm talking about Dylan because Val knows Dylan still has a thing for Kelly. So she can just be a jerk and be like, you like him too. We all know it. Even if it's not true. Yeah. And I feel
1: like she's like, this is the manipulative Val, not Val jumping up from the table to be like, oh, Brandon. (laughs) like (laughs) this is the Val i expect that she's like oh you've been happy with brandon but i'm just going gonna go ahead and like name drop your ex and you just Mm -hmm. like do with that what you will
0: exactly like man she's good at that brilliant so
1: brilliant like i love these damn val just damn
0: just i think bringing I think we've said it, but bringing Tiffany Thiessen on board was the best decision the show made. Like, and I'm glad she became a regular immediately and not just Mm -hmm. a side character that then became a regular or a side character that was, you know, like Emily Valentine or something like that. As much as we love Emily Valentine, it's, this is different. Oh yeah. No, I, I I truly love Val. And I love to hate her and I love her. You know, it's like that complicated, like you do bad things and you're kind of a bad person, but I also love you that's like she does bad but she does bad good you know yeah totally totally
1: she also knows how to pack a picnic
0: oh my god she holy moly the time it took to put together a two two person picnic but was for 10 people <laughs> so it was many, incredible like, yeah cuz
1: she did sandwiches she did fruit she did a bottle of wine she did a
0: bunch of pastries she packed four i saw also you cannot tell me that she wasn't uh like a a a sandwich artist at subway or something in high school because the way that she perfectly and quickly assembles that sandwich even with the like clump of lettuce and then cuts it that was no first of all that's the first scene i love from jason priestley (laughs) That was, like, ASMR stuff, but, like, visually. <laughs> girl girl knows a mise en place. Yes. Good Lord. <laughs> I even wrote at the end of this, I'm curious why we got this scene, but I'm not mad. <laughs>
1: so, I had to backtrack because when she started throwing the cheese in the basket, you know me. I had to look at it. I had to understand how she's building her cheese plate. hmm Looks like there is... A blue, a Swiss, a brie, and then a semi-hard cheese. Possibly a Gruyere. Definitely a guess on my plate. But this is the cheese plate I would build. You need you need a funky, you need a soft, you need a semi-hard, and you can just, like, throw in an extra one that you love. Like brie. It's, for me, it's always blue brie, and then Gruyere,
0: cheddar, Swiss, etc. Manchego. Give me a go. good goat cheese, like whatever.
1: <laughs> Man, like, I
0: want cheese.
1: Honestly, I I backtracked and I was like, I wonder if Caitlin's going to think of our cheese plates together. Obviously. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to build a cheese plate. God, I love them. But she throws all of this into a basket. And I do love that there was the music in the background and then she hit the boom box and stopped the music when she walked out the door.
0: Yes, I love those choices. Anytime a show does that, it's kind of like a little meta moment. Mm-hmm. Love it. And she walks
1: out the door. She goes over to Dylan's. Too bad Dylan is in with his hypnotherapist, and he is not to be disturbed. And Charlie is like a doorman. He is not letting anyone through the barrier. Mm-hmm. I do love it. She calls him Charlie Tuna. I don't get it, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs>
0: Same. It reminded me of the office when uh what's his face would always call call uh Jim Tuna. Big tuna? Yeah. Beer me tuna. Andy. Andy, thank you.
1: Yeah. So this is the moment that tells us that Dylan is with his hypnotherapist and we spend truly the majority of the rest of the episode in Dylan's regressions. Mm-hmm. He's in with Dr. Molly. She's, like, walking him back. She's asking him, you know, what he remembers, what he hears, what he feels. And he starts to remember that he was a cowboy in the Old West. And he hears guns and horses. (laughs) And it turns out
0: he's a robber. But just in case you weren't clear that it was the Old West – they throw on a sepia tone filter real quick. <laughs> Gotta have a sepia tone filter
2: for five seconds.
0: For five seconds, and they fade it out.
2: Can I tell you all what I wrote in my notes for this? Please. Absolutely. I wrote, it's a red episode." first of all. <laughs> and then I wrote, hee hee hee, Dylan is robbing a stagecoach, and his name is Billy McCoy <laughs> with a little heart.
0: I mean, yeah, he's – I got to admit, he could play a Western role pretty well. Like, I I think Luke Perry was meant to be in these kinds of roles. Well, and I feel like that movie Young Guns Mm -hmm.
1: was very recently, like, around this time too. Yeah. And he would have fit in so perfectly.
0: I would have loved it. Me too. I mean, he's like – Got the whole language down. He's got the accent down. He's got everything down. And I kind of love that his catchphrase is a little bit like, Give my regards to Mr. Wells and Mr. Fargo. So I wrote down, He's robbing Wells Fargo, the people, not the bank.
1: (laughs) But also, he should rob the bank. If you've never heard the dollop about Wells Fargo, you should absolutely listen to it. I think it's like 200 episodes back. I'd never find it. But Big fan of Billy McCoy robbing Mr. Wells and Mr. Fargo. <laughs>
0: Me too. Okay. I have to point out that this is, it's about the time where the only camera angle that I hated appears. It's, we see while he's robbing uh, the stagecoach or carriage or whatever, there's a woman lying in her presumably mother's lap. Clearly Kelly, let's not Obviously. play around here. Yeah. But then they show her or they, sh- the camera shows Billy from her perspective and so it's like angled up but also a Dutch angle so it just I don't like it I'm like I don't need this I understand the artistry behind it but I don't need it and that's my only comment I'm not mad I just didn't like it I'm not mad I'm just disappointed (laughs) exactly
1: I mean I I will say I do have a couple of questions about these regressions but kind of like how you mentioned like i don't think they're necessarily jason Priestley's fault like right the amount of times that people fire a gun and you don't see blood like yeah if we couldn't afford blood packs it would have been five seconds
0: well and that's what makes me think with the sepia filter they could only afford 10 seconds of it (laughs) so they're
1: just like we're good <laughs> we're gonna like use it to bring you into the scene but then you're just it. you're just gonna have to accept where you are exactly because yeah he's like hitting on this woman whimpering in her mother's lap which I don't like as a woman I am not turned on by that
0: like I don't get it no <laughs> I'm also like not really the type of woman that gets really into guys when they like fight and stuff too. Like I know a lot of people do and that's totally valid, but like I'd rather be the one fighting, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so I, I don't know, but maybe, Hey, maybe Kelly, not Kelly just wanted that.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're definitely trying to set a precedent with uh, Billy McCoy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you know, he, he steps out of the stagecoach. He gets in an argument with the stagecoach driver, and then he shoots the stagecoach driver in the hand, and he says, "Next time, if there is a next time, there just won't be a next time."
0: Which, when you think about it, it actually does make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to sit there and be like, "What? Oh, uh, oh,
1: right, okay." So we get some voiceover where. I don't know what I call him, Dylan or Billy. I called him Dylan in my notes. Me too. Okay. So we get some voiceover where Dylan says that he has a quick draw, a quick temper, and an understanding that he'll die by a bullet. Which, immediately, he goes into a saloon, orders a drink, and then barters,
0: like, a lot. Yeah, and... (laughs) I can't decide if I actually liked this part or not, but when he does walk into the saloon, that cowboy that does end up firing his weapon first, his eyes, it reminded me of like yeah. a Hitchcock film. Like I needed the music to accompany it where it like grows and builds, but he was just like, huh? Huh? and like, <laughs> it just, I was like, are you. Is this on purpose? I could but obviously it was on purpose. Mm. But then yeah, Billy gets shot during the shootout but then makes a bloody mess. His word not ours. Yeah. And yeah, it like it's I wouldn't just call it a bloody mess, I'd call it a massacre.
1: Yeah. Uh I part of me feels like this is like a han grito thing of Han shot first versus Greedo shot. like the man making the eyes they're trying to be like he shot first and therefore Dylan
0: is justified in mass murder right exactly well and that's like outlaw law <laughs> whatever you call it also I do feel like so far because like when we did hear the dialogue that was actually a good introduction into him for like a and d character or some sort of RPG character. Like, I I love that little, you know, three sentence long quip about him. And I feel like that's how every character should be, like, written if you're trying to describe one in an RPG or something.
2: So I swear this description is just Old West words for mad, bad, and dangerous to know. <laughs> Dude, yes. yes. They put a sepia tone on that. <laughs> I I'm love like- that.
1: And despite just murdering a bunch of people, the singer is really into him. And we find out the singer is Dixie. Mm Mm-hmm. And they bang it out.
0: Presumably in some uh, time that has passed a little bit, because he's apparently fine. He has no more issues with being shot. And. Yeah, I think then this is when she refers to him as like the real McCoy after they banged. and She's the name of the episode? Yeah, exactly. So I guess she's his paramour and this whole backstory. But she's very clearly
1: the other woman, Mm -hmm. parentheses, the Brenda, question mark? Because in this scene... He, like, goes to the window and he sees the girl from the stagecoach, who we then are told is Kelly. But, like, let's be honest, we all knew.
0: Oh, well, yeah. And it's interesting at this point because we're brought then back to current state Dylan. And he doesn't know what to do with this information. Like, he, he kind of almost sees himself or relives himself, however you want to phrase it, gazing upon Kelly Taylor, both... i guess in real life as well as in this regression and he doesn't know what to do so molly tells him to like breathe through it and just kind of let it take you where you want to go like just let it guide you for a while you don't have to i do kind of appreciate that she doesn't make him define what it is right then and there she's just kind of like nope you just keep going with it let's just see what happens
1: yeah i kind of also get the feeling that the way that she handles this of like wanting to carry him through his regressions also kind of hurts him emotionally in the present mm. but i feel like that's a question for us to talk about later because like yeah we get this weird little present time where we get that but then we also go to the peach pit where brandon is talking to nat about how he's not going to put up campaign posters because he's not going to have any mm-hmm. cuz That's normal. (laughs) And Val is already planning a a victory party at the pee pad. And then he walks away. We see Val in the background and like zoom over to her, which I love. And she's talking to Charlie about like how heavy regression therapy is. And it's not something to be taken as lightly as she's treating it.
0: Right. And especially because she's at the point where she's almost feeling left out. Like she's, I think, doing the classic like, kind of rag on something because you feel like you wanted to be a part of it or at least Mm -hmm. talk to about it you know things like that like so the easier thing to do is just hate it yeah I mean I think
1: I don't remember exactly which episode it was but it was I think it was song for my mother where she's talking to Dylan and she's like hey, regression therapy and past lives sound like BS, so just don't do Mm -hmm. it. And Dylan's like, but I think I'm going to do it. And now Val, I think, feels a little hurt that she picked the wrong side of the argument.
0: Right. Exactly. And so we
1: go back into Dylan's regression therapy where he's robbing a bank and some guy in the other corner is yelling at him and calling him, you know, all of these names and being like, you're nothing without your guns. They have this whole back and forth. They're talking about getting all the gold and the silver and blah, blah, blah. And then the bank teller shoots at Dylan. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think he misses, but we have no blood in this episode, so I have no idea. (laughs) And so Dylan turns around and shoots him dead.
0: And then he gives his little catchphrase again, like give my regards to Mr. Wells and Mr. Fargo. So apparently – just Robin Wells Fargo left and right. Apparently.
1: And that ran- <laughs> the random guy in the corner is like, that bank teller who has a husband and a father, but what do you care? Which mm-hmm. I literally didn't until the end of the episode. And then they brought it back, and I was in shock.
0: Right. Exactly. And then we see, like, more saloon stuff at this point. Now he's drunk, which is an interesting choice. To regress into a, you know, drunk state or be okay with drinking, you know, for this. Because as we know, Dylan is a recovering al- alcoholic and most recently in rehab because of drugs and alcohol. So I, I do think it's a little interesting and maybe it was just, I, didn't, I don't need to pay attention to it. It was just something they did because it's the old West and this is what they did. But I just thought it was, you know, kind of a choice to make him drunk and drink, quite often in his regressions. Yeah,
1: I think this whole scene is a very interesting choice because they make him stumble out drunk and then all of his drunk friends are like, oh my God, we found this man who is credited as the Cheyenne. They never give him a name. But he's an indigenous person and they have like cornered him. I don't know if he was already drunk or they got him drunk, but now they're shooting at the ground Mm -hmm. with an actual gun and actual bullets to make him dance. Right. And this is where Dylan remembers being in the sweat lodge with Brandon Walsh. And the Cheyenne is the same man who played the sheriff deputy uh, cop, whatever we called him from the sweat lodge episode. Mm -hmm. And Dylan, Billy McCoy like threatens his friends and are like, "Hey, stop harassing this man. Get out of here." Whatever. And then not Kelly shows up.
0: And her accent, like it was more cowboy than it was southern. It wasn't too bad. It got better the more she talked. You know, like mm-hmm. at first you're like, "Huh, okay, you're taking some R's weird there." But then as as she went on and had more dialogue, I think it got better. But I also think it helps – I think accents are easier done when you have somebody else doing the same one, right? Mm -hmm. So you can kind of play off of each other. And so Luke Perry's being a good one probably helped Jenny Garth get there. Now, I could be totally off base. And Jenny Garth, for all we know, could be from Texas. And I could just be wrong. But, yeah, I just think it was – it wasn't too bad. It wasn't like Brenda's French accent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think – In this scene, they also gave Jenny Garth, like, some real mouthfuls to say. For sure. So, you know, she comes over. She's grateful for Dylan saving this man's life, even though he barely did anything. And his gang is the ones that caused the problems. But we find out that the stagecoach Rodbury was apparently a long time ago. And Dylan is just like, oh, you're that girl from that stagecoach Rodbury,"
0: And she Mm -hmm. literally
1: says, yeah, that was a long time ago.
0: Yeah, so time means nothing here.
1: (laughs) Nothing. But then she says, and I mostly quote, I think I got the whole thing down. Uh, Dylan asks if she thinks he can change. And she says, I think you can. Otherwise, it would be a tragic waste of a life to spend your time on this earth in a
0: haze of gunpowder and alcohol. Like, it's just a lot. That is a mouthful. Now that you're, like, repeating it. (laughs) It's a
1: lot. And... (laughs) Like, that's it. She was just brought in, and they were like, here's 25 words. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> yeah. Cause, exactly. Because they skip time again, and now he's cleaned up. They're taking picnics. She's reading to him from the Bible. His gang is mad that he doesn't hang out with them
0: anymore. They almost stage an intervention in the saloon for him. Like... <laughs> It was very intervention-y, and then his old buddies like Zeke and, and some of the other guys are talking about a train they want to rob, you know, and whether or not you believe it when he says that he'll be there, it at least is believable to Zeke and the other outlaws because they have no reason to think, you know, this is kind of almost like the biggest temptation, right? This is robbing a train is like the pinnacle of outlawing, I guess, and so... I don't know. I'm making a guess. I also just read the book called Outlawed, so I've got it on the brain. When the time comes for him to actually rob this train, you don't see him there. You see Zeke and you see some of the other folks, but um, he you see him riding off in the opposite direction with not Kelly in their own mode of transportation.
1: <laughs> I just really love the idea that the gang is like, you don't hang out with us anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: I know You found this
1: girl and you're
0: just abandoning us. We had plans. (laughs) We had dreams. (laughs) But yeah, he just like abandons his buddies and his buddies are all sad because it was his friend and also probably the best outlaw that they had and the best shot at getting all that money.
1: I mean, yeah, he's their leader. So they're just like, (laughs) we have to rob a bank and you make the plan. Like- this bank mm-hmm. it, it's a train it moves i don't know what to do with that <laughs>
0: yeah. they haven't had the training oh he didn't have like a secession plan <laughs>
1: but we get pulled back into the present and like dr molly is long gone like we just get pulled back dylan is the only one in his house charlie shows up at the door to see him And then I thought it was really weird to me that, like, Charlie comes in and is like, look what I found, and then Val just appears. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, oh, you left this door unlocked, I'll slip in. (laughs) She's like, he won't answer the door if he sees me. You have to go by yourself.
0: Exactly. Which, also an interesting choice, is that Charlie asks about the experience, and Dylan is pretty open to talking about it, but then Val mentions something, and he goes full Brandon on her and gets mad because she asks about it and then you know clearly it's a it's a projection because he's clearly emotionally frustrated by what he's been learning in his regressions but he literally says that he was going straight to hell until kelly taylor came into his life now yeah whether he means billy mccoy or dylan mckay is unclear yeah we have no
1: idea at this point and you know to be fair Val is still doing her thing of like, well, I didn't like regression therapy to begin with, so I'm digging my heels in. I'm going to mock it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he literally just starts screaming at her.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I kind of really love Charlie's response of like, you and Kelly have a seminal link far
0: out. (laughs) Yeah. You can clearly tell he's like a decent bit older than Dylan here. (laughs) but i kind of love it because he's also Mm -hmm. he also clearly doesn't care that val hates it you know he's like no i'm gonna like speak my truth about this and who cares who else hears it right and granted it might help um help himself if dylan's out of the picture for him to make a move on val but hey whatever yeah i think
1: it's very interesting that charlie is the one that says that he and kelly are soulmates for life and not that This comes from Dr. Molly, the professional. Right, the
0: doctor. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But it doesn't matter because now we have to go to Casa Walsh where Jim is still upset about his job.
0: Okay. Yeah. I got nothing to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) But the
1: editorial board at the Condor endorses Brandon's candidacy and Jim says, as we expect the Walshes to. After I get the ax, maybe Brandon can help me get a job teaching. Why not name drop? My son, the student council president of California University, goes here.
0: Also, I just remembered back in that speech that Janice gave, he didn't just call uh, Brandon. She didn't just call Brandon the president of the student body of California University. She straight up called him the president of California University. They already have one of those. Yes, that's above both the dean and chancellor Arnold. That we don't know.
1: What if the what if Brandon is actually the president of the university? Like he is <laughs> oh actually God. part of the California State Board of Education.
0: That's why they keep making a big deal that he wasn't actually officially elected, because it's like, how did he even get this job? But somehow he did.
1: (laughs) There's something in their bylaws where they're like, oh my God, the student council body president, if they die, their vice president becomes the president of the university.
0: Oh my God. That's why we haven't met the actual president. (laughs) The secession
1: plans are broken. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Wait, didn't we talk about that with something
2: else? Oh, it was that Law & Order CU episode with (laughs) Jesse's expert legal advice. That's right.
0: God, can you imagine? Like, what? Okay, I just have to say, what if this show really was all of the tangents that we go on? Like, what if it was literally (laughs) all of the tangents? It would
1: be better. (laughs) (laughs) So, I can't, like... I can't decide if it would actually be better or if I would just start taking my notes in the same four page cadence that I currently do, but it would be more caps lock.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. It'd have to be so much. So (laughs) much only caps lock. I don't have any other option. Only caps lock. Tons of exclamation points.
1: What are periods anymore? I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. So Braden goes upstairs and he smells Belle's pot, which. I just love. I don't know why. It's like the dumbest little story point that Val smokes pot in her bedroom and everyone acknowledges it, but they call it incense.
0: Yes. It's kind of like when uh, Taylor Swift says the F word. I don't know why. I love it. I just, I love it so much. It just, it is what it is. <laughs> it's just a thing. It just, it warms your heart.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it goes into Val's room. And they have quite a pointed conversation when we know what we know from Val, where she asks Brandon if he thinks he has a soulmate. And very specifically, do you think Kelly is your soulmate for life?
0: And I just think, obviously, like, based on, like you said, we know what we know from Val. Brandon doesn't know where this is coming from. He doesn't say yes but he does say that he sees a future with kelly which i totally believe that brandon doesn't believe in soulmates right like he's loved two people at once this has been a big year for him (laughs) like (laughs) he may not believe in the one or whatever and then it's it kind of turns a little bit on val i think because It's not, the conversation isn't going the way she wants it to. So then she kind of turns on Kelly a bit to Brandon, which bad idea, never do that. But she says like, Kelly's been trying to get the whole clique against her. And, you know, like at one point she wanted him to be into her and not think of her as a sister, like all this kind of stuff. And then brings up just, oh, by the way, did you know that we've never touched Not even once. (laughs) Weird thing to say here. Um, And I think it was weird for me because, like, clearly that meant that she wanted to be touched by him at this moment. And I just sometimes get uncomfortable by the word touched. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just in general, it's kind of like how certain words have very specific meanings, you know, sometimes like I'm trying to think of an example, I'll think of one as I'm talking, but it's just using that word in the context that we know that she means. I'm like, "Uh oh, uh oh, like all the the red flags and warning signs were just going off. Right? Because
1: she makes a comment about like, the nights that they've run into each other in the bathroom. And she very specifically talks about the first night that they were in the same house. And so I'm thinking of when she's like in her underwear, walking into his room and very clearly being like, yeah, when I'm dressed in my underwear or a nightie or something, like we don't touch bare skin. Like it's not a fully clothed familial hug. Mm -hmm. It's that you're not running into me as to Single unattached people in a co ed bathroom together.
0: And I mean, I guess in a way, she has a point because it just, like I was just reminded in my head that Brandon has just fully platonically made out with Donna (laughs) on television or whatever we want to call, yeah, whatever we want to call the telethon thing. So. Yeah, it is. Wait, crap. Is it weird that Brandon and Val have never touched?
1: (laughs) I mean, I think it's normal in real world. I think it's weird in platonic friend kissing Beverly Hills world. (laughs)
0: Right. Like, Brandon's never done the weird, possessive hand on the back of the neck thing to Val. (laughs) Like he did to Brenda, Kelly, Donna probably cindy at one point ew (laughs) (laughs) lulu everyone oh my god who could forget
2: lulu emily valentine all those girls yeah i swear i want to fact check this i I, kind of i swear they've hugged or something or like no they wouldn't have high-fived
1: but on the other hand who has the time (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> right? right i was like i want to fact check this but i really don't want to go back and re-watch this whole season yeah. i don't have 29 hours
0: <laughs> they do end up hugging by the end of the scene after agreeing that weirdly they both appreciate or sorry they both hope that kelly appreciates what she has thought that was weird from brandon because i didn't think he was insecure about their relationship also, weird he'd be disclosing that to Val, even if it was true. But you see, Kelly, Kelly good lord, Val's eyes, you know, kind of like with the conniving, manipulative, like, oh, I'm hugging you, I'm touching you. This is a way for me to get my boobs on you. Like, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> what's the point here? So I gotta, like,
1: I, it also felt weird to me that Brandon said, so do I in this yeah. moment, but I kind of feel like he's not being insecure. He's just like, yeah, I hope she does too. Like he's just having sure. conversation. I kind of get that feeling out of him.
0: Yeah, I mean, very well could be. I just this whole scene kind of weirded me out. So I was in that in that space. Well, because and I'm I, like Val, stay away. You're messing with Brelly and I like Brelly.
1: And I think that's how we're supposed to feel. I think we're supposed yeah. to be very uncomfortable with what Val is doing. And we know she's in manipulation mode
0: Mm-hmm. she's manipulative maloning <laughs> you've been maloned that's right and they even like kind of continue this because
1: we go to the beach apartment they do the same thing where Donna knocks on Claire's door and is like hey do you guys want to get sushi and go bowling oh now that you're in Ray's coming with us and then Ray mm-hmm. just appears
0: yep and I actually was fooled By them saying, "Uh, well, we have Betsy's surprise party tonight. And Dave was like, oh, was that tonight? Like, I was actually fooled. (laughs) It was amazing. I know. Like, I'm telling you, like, the pairings that are together outside of Ray and Donna, I think have the most chemistry out of the group. You know, like, Brandon and Kelly, Donna, or sorry, David and Claire. (laughs) Donna and Ray. (laughs) Jim and Cindy, you know, the whole gang. Steve and no. (laughs) But yeah, like they legitimately fooled me. So, hey, they're actors. They did their job. (laughs) I will say like
1: as soon as Donna, like she hears the doorbell and she walks away, I was like, oh, they're lying. Like Mm -hmm. it took me until she walks out of the scene and it must have been Ray's face or something because he's like. Guessing Betsy doesn't have a party tonight. And David's like. I don't know. Who's Betsy? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't really
0: know anyone named Betsy. So
1: (laughs) I just I loved it all. I love Claire being like, so how's Valerie doing? Oh, you don't know? Keep it that way.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. I just for there easily like potentially could have been a love triangle and a weird one between Donna, David and Claire. That's right. Yeah. Donna, David and Claire. I love that they haven't pitted Claire and Donna against each other because far too often still today, you know, the quote unquote other women or the women in the love triangle with a man is far too often competitive, right? When in reality, it's just a dumb boy who is trying to play you both. So, you know, I'm just glad I know that we kind of dabbled into that territory, like when Claire was feeling really hurt by the acknowledgement that David still had feelings for Donna back in the unreal world episode. But I'm glad it's now to the point where Claire is fully just team Donna. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do really like that.
1: Claire and David are fully team Donna. They're just anti team Ray. Mm -hmm. I think it upsets me still. And I don't think it's ever not going to upset me that they're not telling Donna what happened. Like, The show just wants Donna to be dumb, and I don't like that, but I love David and Claire being like, yeah, we're totally ready to hang out with you. Oh, Ray's coming. We forgot we had plans.
0: Yeah, never mind. Can't do it. I have to wash my hair.
1: It's going to take all night. (laughs) You know, with Betsy, (laughs) her party's last forever. Exactly. Also, who came up with the name Betsy? Claire couldn't come up with a better name.
0: It would have been really funny if she ended up saying, like, Claire. (laughs) Like, her own name, because she panicked.
2: Oh, you know Claire, her parties go till question mark.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's Kelly's party. Kelly's in New York.
0: Uh, Kelly. Different Kelly. Kelly. You know (laughs) her. (laughs) Mailer. Did I say Kelly?
1: I meant Brelly. Yeah, I mean, uh... (laughs) Who said that? (laughs) Speaking of Kelly, though, (laughs) Dylan calls Kelly in clearly fake New York. Mm -hmm. And Kelly says that clearly fake New York reminds her of him.
0: Yeah, that was a filler transition scene for sure. I'm trying to think if I had a friend that I wasn't
1: expecting to call me and I didn't have caller ID. Mm -hmm. Would I recognize their
0: voice? I want to say yes. But I also definitely think it depends on how often you've talked to them on the phone. Like one of your voices, you know, and this is no no indication of like depth of friendship or anything. But like, I actually think, Mary, I would recognize your voice over Ariel's. And here's why. Mary, you have such a very like soft and cute little voice (laughs) that like it's so unique in the way that it's just adorable (laughs) so I feel like I don't know anybody else that has a voice like yours. It's
2: nasally. No it is not.
0: (laughs) I said cute I said soft and I said adorable and unique.
2: (laughs) I mean I appreciate that but it's because it's it comes out of my nose, I'm pretty sure.
1: <laughs> I'm going to make a fake Google number and just start calling you.
0: Okay. See Challenge accepted. I would love that. I actually, why is this a game I'd be interested in playing?
2: <laughs> I wouldn't answer. Like, a random number would call and I would just be like, no.
0: I do Thanks. not need an update on my car warranty. Thank you.
1: <laughs> That's fair. John does have, like, he's got a google phone so he has the spam filter where it'll mm-hmm. be like this person is spam filtering your call what are you calling for
0: yeah yeah it's an awesome feature and you know apple's gonna come out with it in five years and like explode it's be it be with bad. promotion yeah it's gonna be terrible but they're just gonna promote the shit out of it and make it seem like it was they were the first ones to do it
1: i will go to apple get hired pay you to do the voiceover work
0: love that idea <laughs> I am an accountant. I can do what I want. You can fudge
1: numbers. (laughs) That's called fraud. Can't do that.
0: Well, Jim may be doing it for all we know because we have no idea why he's so scared about losing his job. (laughs) Oh, my God. What if Jim was actually committing fraud and he's sitting here in hushed tones
1: with Cindy being like, I don't know whether they're not keeping in meetings. Do they know that I embezzled
0: $2 million? After all that drama and all that shade, he threw at Jack McKay. He's turning around and doing the same damn thing. I mean, that literally
1: happened. Did you just see like, somebody who was the uh, expert voice in money laundering just got arrested for money laundering?
2: Oh, my God. It's always the people you most medium suspect. (laughs) (laughs) He knows so much, but
1: he works at Harvard. He
0: couldn't have done it. Right, exactly. He just studies this. He's not using
2: the information. <laughs> I really would just want to believe that he's just speaking from experience. Right, exactly.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: I don't anywho, have a good segue. Yeah,
0: I was gonna, I just had who was my segue. <laughs> um, well, I guess Cindy, you know, is adjacent to Jim, so Andrea is drinking a latte at the student union talking with Cindy. And if not for it only being one line and not really having a great context around it, I would have made this my quote of the week. But, um, you know, basically Andrea's telling Cindy about all her plans, how they've changed from Boise and all that. And Cindy just delivers such a little cute, like all oh, that fretting for naught, eh? And it was adorable and I loved it. And I just, I need more of that. I think my favorite
1: part of this is like Brandon shows up flits around leaves and takes andrea's latte and cindy's like do you think brandon has any chance of losing and andrea says for brandon to lose it would take a twist of cataclysmic proportion
0: (laughs) spoken like somebody who knows that he has so much privilege (laughs) failing upwards always
1: yeah like cannot fail can only fail upwards exactly and we end up following Brandon because he's going to do a live interview with Walter Chen. Turns out Claire works on Walter's TV show. hmm And she says that somebody sent Walter a fax from Sacramento, which we remember Brandon was just in Sacramento.
0: And for those of us who don't remember, like Steve, that's the capital of California.
1: That's where all of the student body presidents met at a summit has important (laughs) not that we saw anything at that summit but apparently something happened to the point of sending walter a fax and claire is just like just be aware something's happening you're going into this live interview he's gonna have a gotcha question yeah so brayden immediately sits down we learn that the tv show is called see you later (laughs) yeah and i screamed i
0: screamed (laughs) I love it. I wonder what else was, like, in the running for the name of that TV show. But I'm so glad it was See You Later. (laughs) Welcome to See You Later, the live
1: show from See (laughs) You. Makes no sense. It's fine. It's cool. It's very uh, Last Week Tonight, but 25 years earlier.
0: Exactly. But... Literally the first question out of Walter Chen's mouth is what Claire was referring to. And Brandon, just as my subtitles told me, chuckles nervously. <laughs> and I love that we get no response to it. like None. It cut away so fast. Yeah.
1: Walter asked the question. And then the next thing we see is Brandon immediately going to
0: Dean to be like, I got to ask this question. He's like, WTF, mate. And the Dean's just like, hey, man, we all got screwed. And... The legislature we're dealing with wants less government involvement. And Brandon's all panicked, not because of the 15% tuition hike, but because he might lose this election. But it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. Janice is still voting for him. That's right. And Brandon half likes it, half hates it. (laughs) I'm conflicted. Like this whole scene, I was like,
1: I love a Janice moment. I really appreciate she got to stay in the show. I kind of hate that she's still – like, I really wish she would have been like, yeah, that was a bad look for you. You should have said something. Like, you should have raised hell, and you should have been able to prove that you raised hell. And because you didn't, I'm not voting for you. I also am just curious as to why she doesn't run. Yeah, because apparently Alex is just a write-in vote, so why Mm – isn't I'd rather Janice be a right in vote. I don't necessarily care either way for Alex.
0: Well, and clearly she's extremely passionate about it. She knows the inner workings of it. She's been on the student senate for who knows how long. So, you know, I'm just curious why they didn't go that route. I mean, maybe it was a commentary on Janice and Alice, Alice, Janice and Alex being people of color and Brandon being a white man. You know, like I I could see that because well, it- in a very, like,
1: win. man versus woman thing where, like, sure a man is more likely to take the initiative.
0: Yeah, good point.
1: But Val ends up coming by and saying, win or lose, she's still going to throw a party at the pee pad. And she wants to make him dance. And I don't know. They're talking. She says i'll stuff the ballot boxes in a new york minute so now we think of new york minutes so now we have to go to new york Mm -hmm. it's a fine segue i guess
0: and it's a nothing scene again because we just learned that kelly loves new york and dylan's been trying to call her yeah we find out that dylan's been
1: leaving kelly a lot of messages and we go to him and find out he's begging dr molly to get him back to the exact spot that we ended his last regression therapy with. Mm-hmm. And she asks him what he's looking for. And he can't answer her. But she does it anyway. And I feel like that's. An interesting choice on her part.
0: Yeah. I mean. I guess it's one way to. Get him to either figure it out. Or talk about it. If he won't do it or doesn't realize it you know like it i agree it's a choice i just don't know because i don't know enough about both hypnotism as well as you know dylan i guess to know if this was the right call yeah i have
1: no idea i just think it's i think the way that they wrote dr molly handling dylan's questions was very specifically to progress this plot and like mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily sure it's the right like if he's so obsessed about getting to this exact spot I feel like we should have seen on screen them talk about it like
0: mm-hmm.
1: why are, like you need to give me an answer because I don't I don't want to take you down a path where you're obsessing about something because sure. you have found meaning in it and not because there's actual meaning in it. I don't
0: know. No that's It's a something good point. like that. Well, no, that's a good point. I mean, it's 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 similar what you're talking about to how she recognized that he wasn't um, taking to the hypnosis at her house and needed to be brought to his house to feel more comfortable. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's very, sim- like, you need to make sure that you're doing things in the right way to not traumatize people.
0: Yeah, exactly. And clearly he's emotionally amped up, I guess, you mm-hmm. know? For lack of better words, he's just he's a little on edge here because he's trying to get back to a literal moment. Yeah. And she ends up taking
1: him back. It's we've jumped forward in time. Actual years because he Mm -hmm. has children now. They're married. And we like start finding out some information. He's turned his life around. He's now a law enforcement officer. He's a marshal. And he's changed his name. He's going by Jedediah now. And, you know, someone from his old crew shows up and all I could think about is how fast someone in like the 1800s could just go to a different city and change their complete identity. Why not? Totally.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I I feel like one of the only ways to track somebody down well, and that's that's even a thing. If they change their name, it almost would be like they'd disappear. Because I was going to say, like, if they didn't change their name, the way you could track somebody down is by, like, bank, you know, account or house or loan or land, you know, ownership, something like that that's still public record. Because now I'm thinking Outlander. And even <laughs> in Outlander in the 1700s, they had record of, like, when they started taxing people and... and Things like that. It's like they had some sort of public record that was accessible. But yeah, if you literally change your identity, how how would somebody find someone? Changed his name and grew a mustache. He's completely untraceable. <laughs> yeah. Hey, give him a pair of glasses and he could be uh Billy McCoy or Superman. And in this I- time
2: period, it would actually work. <laughs> it was a damn good mustache, too. <laughs> right. It was. Give him some glasses, like I needed it. Mustache glasses, <laughs> I've accepted it. It's my thing. But oh my damn, that was a good mustache. Thank you, nine hundred two one zero. It was so
0: mustache twirlyable, like you know, it was, like it I'm was filled in. Like, yes,
1: this man uh, oils
2: his mustache. Yes.
0: That was it was a also- fancy upper lip. Yes. Very fancy. It was so Monopoly money. Like, give me a a monocle and call it a day. He's an important man named Jedediah now. That's right.
1: But this guy shows up. He walks over there and the guy's like, Dixie's in trouble. And so Dylan says, okay, I'll go save her. And Kelly's cool with that. And then he goes to save her. Like, I'm a little sad we didn't get a bigger action scene.
0: Me too. Um, I mean, we got one action scene where like Dixie is literally being led to her noose. Zeke has a mirror and shines it in her light or her the light in her eye. Uh Billy swings up Dixie, which was clearly not a person, um <laughs> up onto his horse, and I kid you not, she looks like a headless horseman behind him. Like, cause the bonnet was like flattened. <laughs> So I, I'm really curious what they did for stunts here.
1: I literally wrote like, oh, he saved her.
2: That's all? <laughs> That's it. I think my favorite little bit from that scene is Mirror Guy just taking his guns out and just being like, pow, 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 in the air, like one in each hand. Just like, oh, look at me. I've got guns. He just Distraction. Distraction. Like- <laughs> Literally,
0: Yosemite Sammed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he did.
1: <laughs> but it was a perfect plan. Proves that Billy can just get right back up on that horse. That's right. He's back in the saddle again. <laughs> he saves her. She's going to San Francisco. He's seeing her off at the train station. And then he gets shot in the back and dies.
0: And this time we actually see blood. I know. This is the second time we saw blood. One, The first time we saw blood was in the massacre scene, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until after everybody was shot, not while. Mm-hmm. And this time, again, Dylan or Billy was shot. You don't see a blood go through and through. You don't see a hole. You don't see anything. But when he's on the ground, There's pooling blood. blood. Yeah. Sorry. One more thing is like, I just have to point out that Billy brought Dixie to the train station, which was called Redemption. There's a sign above at the train station that said Redemption. So just to further the Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> I was, I'm going to choose to believe that Red Dead Redemption was developed
1: by people who like 90210.
0: Charles Rosen. Oh, my God. What if
1: Charles Rosen wrote Red Dead? Like, we went into IMDb entitled Red Dead Redemption 2, and it was a story by Charles Rosen.
0: Uh, it would blow my ever-loving mind.
2: I really do want to know who writes for those games because, like, the stories are pretty fucking good.
0: They're so good. Well, that's what I've heard. Um, And I just love the fact that your horse, if you don't tie it up, it just runs away. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of times
1: I have lost a horse (laughs) in that game is too many times. Like, there was definitely a time where there's a fish that you can catch off of train tracks. Mm Mm-hmm. And I got off my horse, and I ran up the train tracks, and I was trying to catch the fish, and the train started coming. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to jump in the water. So I did. My horse (laughs) had wandered onto the train tracks. Oh, no. And
0: all of a sudden, I have no horse. Oh, man. And you're at least a day's walk from another stable. (laughs)
1: I had to steal horses. I probably stole like five horses in that game just for the
2: fact that I never tied them up, and they just kept wandering
1: into death.
0: Poor horses.
2: I ended up playing way more Red Dead online than the actual story. But like, you get horse insurance. So if your horse dies, you get it back at least. <laughs> <laughs> but brilliant That's for what I so needed. long, when I first started playing, like i would I would steal horses to just. Try and see if I could sell them because that's like a huge thing you can do in Grand Theft Auto Online, but you can't do that in Red Dead Online. At least you couldn't then. I don't know if they've changed it, but yeah, I I wasted a lot of fucking time just taking people's (laughs) horses from them.
1: I mean, you can do it in the main game. So, I mean, I will say whoever wrote this, the line, I just shot the man who killed my daddy, Woo. I hope that person got a lot
0: of work after this. It was so anticlimactic. Not a good, like Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine would be so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Like, like you, what? No. Yes. Like, you gotta have a good, that's why you'd always get on to Boyle for not having a good little, like, catchphrase or mic drop moment here. Like, Bruh, if you just killed the person who shot your dad, that's what you're going to say? You're going to just, just give it exposition? <laughs> you haven't been practicing this for years, right?
2: I can't believe he didn't say something like, that's from Mr. Wells and Mr. Fargo.
0: Yeah, like, Mr. Wells and Mr. Fargo send their regards. Like, just plagiarize something. <laughs> <laughs> but he
1: doesn't. He says, woo. <laughs> and then we jump forward to the funeral, yeah. Where literally everyone—Brandon's at his funeral, Don is at his funeral, Jim is at his funeral. Then he calls out Kelly being at his funeral, but
0: we knew that, so I don't get it. Well, because it was it was Kelly from the regression, and then at the very end, Kelly in present day. Okay, I I so must like have missed it was, double Kelly. Yeah, it was like regressive Kelly and uh premonition kelly no current kelly because then when he wakes up or comes out of the hypnosis molly's kind of explaining what happened and he and she literally says there's not much difference between a regression and a premonition i have a lot of problems with this scene hit me so
1: the idea that he's come out of this and he's really upset and she's like Well, theoretically, there's not much difference between a regression and a premonition. He's like, really? And she goes, I don't know. (laughs) She literally says, I don't know. (laughs) And then he says that he has palm read as a kid, and the palm reader said that he didn't have a long lifeline, which means he's not long on
0: this earth, which is not what a lifeline means. I don't know what it means, so I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) So what does it mean? Not that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think what's important is it doesn't mean that. Yeah. yeah. Like, she doesn't know what the difference is. She just thinks there's a difference. But also, yeah, your your palm reader was wrong.
2: Yeah, they were. <laughs> I, I Googled it. Um, it reflects – or sorry. The length of the lifeline has no relationship with how long a person lives. It reflects one's health and physical vitality. So. Hmm. so not it's, that he's going to die. It's that he's going to probably be sad, maybe, which mm. true.
0: Well, and it also could mean that he's going to get wrinkles instead of, you know, not wrinkles, which if we as, know anything about Riverdale, he gets wrinkles. <laughs> he's got forehead wrinkles. He's got
1: an eyebrow scar. Yep. You know, he's probably going to have some physical uh ramifications for getting into a drug induced car accident slash coma
0: good point good point all of those
1: things don't mean what this palm reader said and like it bothers me that the writers got this wrong (laughs) and
0: like yeah that's that's probably the end of dylan's hypnosis storyline so take it all in ladies I can't
1: because literally the next thing that happens is we find out that Brandon lost.
2: Yes,
0: (laughs) yes, he he lost two to one. Like I know to a write-in candidate. Oh boy, that's like zero people wrote in D's nuts. You know, (laughs) like if you wrote in a candidate, it was Alex Diaz.
1: While we were driving to Kentucky last weekend, we found a barbecue place called D's Butts. Hell yeah. <laughs> i said it we, i was driving and john was sitting on his phone and i saw like the exit sign said d's butts and i just went d's butts <laughs> <laughs> and
0: john had no idea d's <laughs> butts for That's like so great
1: 48 hours he had no idea what i was talking about was it like d
2: like d e z
1: yes oh and my was gosh butts
2: with a z or was it yes. was an S? I it think was, it was yes I was just imagining like d like the name apostrophe s but Mm -hmm. no that's better
0: (laughs) g-e-e-z
2: b-u-t-t-z
0: amazing it was
1: wonderful
0: i would have stopped there for sure we were
1: driving at like it was like 11 o'clock at night when we saw it the first time and then coming back was like nine o'clock in the morning
0: Mm, yeah so So. both not the most ideal times for these butts
1: unfortunately (laughs) but i will go back i promise you that (laughs) oh man and everyone is very sad at brandon's not winning party
0: except for really brandon like he's sad but he's
1: not really sad i mean i think it's very interesting that yeah he's like not really sad and then we see jim Who's so depressed he almost quit today, which is not what you do. You let them fire you so you can claim an employment. Exactly. But he's so depressed they have to leave the party. And then Andrea is sad that everyone is depressed. And I love Jesse saying, Humble pie, a uh, slice of humble pie never hurt anybody.
0: <laughs> which for him to make that comment, being pretty humble himself, Is clearly pointed to the little man across
1: from him. Oh, it's commentary. It is (laughs) 1,000% commentary on Brandon Walsh. Little man.
0: Little man. But it's okay because Jesse
1: has quite literally the best news Jesse has ever had in his life.
0: He just swoops in and saves the day. Like, I know we kind of ragged on them as a couple last week because we didn't see them work out any of their issues and kind of communicate about anything. But what we can at least say is they're both trying to do what's best for the other person, even if that means it's not best for them. And, you know, that meant Andrea being okay with Boise, and then that Mm -hmm. meant Jesse turning down Boise. And now ultimately, after hearing the news about Jordan Bonner earlier in the episode at Yale, being the Yale Daily News, Jesse apparently negotiated with Yale. Who knew you could do that? I know. Um, About not only getting her admittance reinstated, but also her scholarship, which is awesome. I I love that he was like, well, your
1: career and my career go hand in hand. Exactly. Yep. Like, it just made my heart so warm. And the idea that he was like, yeah, I got this call about a teaching job. And I was like, I love it, but I'm not going to take it unless you consider Andrea. And Andrea's like, oh, my God, what did they say? And he's like, well, they said thank you and then hung up the (laughs) phone. And then they called back and said, hell, yeah, she can have her scholarship back. Mm -hmm. Like, I I swear to God, if this was like a current day sitcom, they would start dancing.
0: Oh, for sure. They might even break out into a musical number. (laughs) I could only hope. (laughs) And then we get
1: one final scene where Nat's walking around, the pee pad phone rings, he answers it, which I kind of feel like was a little weird because it feels like he's the peach pit side and Val's the pee pad side and Nat, like, never the twain shall meet kind of a thing. But it's Kelly calling for Brandon. So he calls to Brandon. Brandon comes to the phone. And Val makes a comment of like, isn't it just like Kelly to call after the polls have closed?
0: Why does that matter? I don't know. Um my only guess is that like that means that she wasn't there for him when all the work was happening. She's only here she's only there to hear the results. I you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess so. And it just kind of
1: fell flat for me because quite literally the next thing we see is Kelly apologizing for missing it.
0: Yeah, which is so clearly, you know, pointed to to show that Val only sees one side of things at all times or her perception of things. Like she kind of believes that, whereas they really do have a rock solid relationship. Well, we think.
2: I mean, Kelly didn't throw Brandon a party at her nightclub. <laughs>
1: Yeah, she was too busy living her own life that isn't just Brandon.
0: Right. But But dear Lord, I hate everything that happens from this point forward. I'm furious. And first of all, Dylan
1: rings the doorbell at the patio where I still haven't figured out if they're on the first or second floor. (laughs) Right. But he's at the door and he comes in. And not only does he kiss her,
0: she kisses him back. Like emotionally.
2: Furiously. Like
0: there was, no a ifs, lot. ands,
2: or buts about it. Zero to full on in no time. Exactly. No time.
0: And it would have been one thing, I think, and maybe this is just me rationalizing things in my head. If Dylan was kissing Kelly and Kelly made no movement, but mm-hmm. she grabs the back of his head.
1: No, she's into it. Like if they showed him lean in to kiss her and just cut away at that point and not showing Mm -hmm. her have any emotion, Mm -hmm. would have landed completely differently because then we don't know if the next episode's going to start with her pushing him off or like a did they or didn't they and they both say what happened. Like Mm -hmm. the idea that we saw him go in for it and she like received and reciprocated is a
0: lot. It's too much, and I hate that there's a second potential storyline not only of people cheating, but Kelly and Dylan cheating.
1: I'm not here for it. No, me neither. I'm not. I'm not, really I not. It. And like, we're at the end of a season. So, you know, if you think TV wise, it would make a lot of sense to do a will they, won't they? Are they breaking up? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Kelly might go to New York and Dylan might go with her and Brandon can't because he's doing it. Like, I I don't know. There's yeah. a lot out there and I think it's good TV writing, but I'm really mad about it.
0: Yeah. And you're right. I mean, it is cliffhangery, And, you know, Kelly and Brandon have been together for a while with not too much drama, at least- between them like obviously we had the cult obviously we had all that stuff but like they were still rock solid even though Kelly was affected by all of it so Mm -hmm. I guess we needed drama I mean I guess so and we've talked about this a couple of times where you
1: know what makes really good drama in a relationship is the idea that they were so solid in Mm -hmm. between and then they just throw something at us like
0: I do get what they're doing I do, too. I just think I've gotten to the point in my life where we've talked about this before so many times on this show where I am totally fine with couples being together and there being no drama. The drama that affects them can be external, Mm -hmm. but don't make it break up, get back together, break up, get back together, fight, 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 cheat, 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 like all this stuff like I much rather there be a complication like does Kelly go to New York City and Brandon stay in California? Do they have a long-distance relationship? Sure, you can put that drama on them, but you can also have them still be together. Like it can still be tough. I I don't know. Maybe that's just me being a (laughs) 31-year-old.
2: Yeah. I just – yeah, I completely agree with you. Like I would much rather see an established couple like – Work together against a common obstacle and grow stronger yeah. in their relationship that way mm-hmm. 100%. versus oh you we've been it's through so much, so much because we cheat on each other all the time uh, yeah strong bonds it's not like, how that works
0: it's not like where's trust that's not how you build trust that's not how you keep mm-hmm. trust that's not how that's not how you should treat your person and how you should be treated by your person
2: mm-hmm
0: yeah, so what do you think? We've got one episode and then a two-part finale. What do you think? Unfortunately, I can't say anything because I actually remember what happens. No. Oh, God.
2: <laughs> I think Dylan gets heartbroken because he's already having a rough season, and I just don't think it's going to get better for him yet. Um. And I think brelly just stays together that's my that's my theory I kind of hope so like I kind of
1: hope that they just move on from it I don't really want them to but I also didn't want this to happen so I think I'm okay with that yeah
2: I, I feel w- like I it's gonna s- be a secret and then like blow up I will yeah. say
0: just, and I'm not trying, I'm not going to like lean one way or the other, but just a thought outside of what I know to happen is for me personally, we've already seen an entire season and ending of last season built around Dylan's trauma and something really bad happening to Dylan to make him go rock bottom and all that kind of stuff. I'm not necessarily interested in seeing that again. You know, like the whole Kevin and Suzanne and Erica thing bled Mm -hmm. into this season. So, I'm just putting that out there. I'm not – that's not giving you guys a hint one way or the other. I just know for me I'm not necessarily interested in continuing to see hurt, broken, uh, you know, rock-bottomy Dylan. Yeah, and I I don't know
1: that I think that's going to happen, but I think it might propel him to do something else to deal with his already existing dramas.
2: Sure. I think Val is going to fuck shit up. I Actually, would love it. I think that's that I mean, what I think.
0: I mean, it's a it's like a good guess. Like it's not it wouldn't be surprising. I think it could be
1: interesting to have this like not Rock Brelly and then Dylan kind of take on a little bit of a Val role of hmm. being like Kelly's my soulmate and I will stop at nothing to get her.
0: Ooh, girl.
2: Ooh, what if Dylan and Val team up to break up Brelly?
1: Uh, I could only hope that they team up with Lulu and Claire because we <laughs> never got that last season.
2: Oh, my You're God. so right. I'm You're ready so for right.
1: them to come back. Okay, can I say, so when they were saying that Walter Chen got a fax from Sacramento, initial thought was Lulu's been here.
2: Ooh, Oh, man. That would have been so much more interesting than a tuition
1: hike. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. I was just like, I don't know where Lulu is, but I have been waiting.
0: Yeah. I, I, Yeah. Because we really didn't get closure. Nothing. They just ended it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, fun fact about this episode. It is the lowest... IMDb-rated episode of the season by far. Wow. It is ranked at a 5.1 out of 10, and most episodes are in the middle sixes.
1: I wonder how much of that is, like, fan-brigading, though, of people being like, Dylan and Kelly aren't soulmates. Like, I don't know. Total guess. I'm just curious how many people are emotionally affected.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good thought. I also think it's a pretty – Speaking of regression, I think it's a pretty big regression from the mean of what Mm -hmm. typical episodes are in this world. So the fact that it's basically a Western, you know, like throws a wrench into things like people don't really like things to change that much from their beloved show. I disagree with that. I love when we get bottle episodes and like flashback episodes. I actually am probably one of the few that likes clip shows like I like a good reflection, you know, so, but I could see it. I mean, and it has this, it it would be one thing if it had wildly different amount of ratings, but it has the same amount of ratings as the episodes around it. In fact, some even more. So, yeah. Interesting.
2: I like loved this episode up until like the very last bit of it, but like all of the Western shit, I was, I ate it up. I loved it. I'm like, give me more hats. Give me more (laughs) spurs and sepia filters and horses and stagecoaches. Like, give me the Wild West spinoff starring Dylan McKay. Well, and it just fit him so well, too. Like,
0: sure, it was super cliche to a Western and all that stuff, but like, Luke Perry was great. I he has such range. I love him.
2: He should be like he should have been a cowboy more often. <laughs> yeah,
0: and just you know to put a but a bow on this point, the next lowest episode was a five point nine, and it was the hate is a four letter word episode. Oh wow! Yeah, people didn't like that one too much either. Uh, yeah, but that's like wildly different. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Quote of the week, guys. I do have one. I wrote so many quotes. Two. <laughs> you can get I'll I'll pick two. How about that? I'll pick two because I have I have a couple that were contenders. Okay.
1: I'm gonna just start at the top and
0: work my way down. Okay.
1: Um Brandon Walsh. I don't know what else to say, but let them eat cake. <laughs> and then Val, sorry, Charlie Tuna, (laughs) Dylan slash Billy, next time, if there is a next time, there just won't be a next time.
0: I just love that it was like, if there's a next time, there won't be a next time. Like, it's so contradictory, but if you really think about it, it actually makes sense. It kind of works. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to cap it at two more because I
0: will not stop
1: if we don't. Okay. Um, Jim Walsh, after I get the ax, maybe Brandon can help me get a job teaching at the business school (laughs) just because, do you know my son, the president of CU?
0: Right. Jim name dropper Walsh. (laughs) And finally,
1: Andrea Zuckerman Vasquez, for Brandon to lose, it would take a twist of catalysmic proportion.
2: God, I love that. All right, Mary, what you got? God, I wrote so many. Okay. Love it when you talk political science, Val. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah. I also did write down for Brandon to lose, it would take a twist of cataclysmic proportions. It's a good one. This was a little conversation. Claire says, want to dance? And Brandon says, Claire, I lost an election, not my mind. <laughs> um, I also wrote, poor Brandon. and A Little Humble Pie never hurt anybody
1: yep my last one I just shot the man who killed my
0: daddy woo Woo! alright so out of all of those we did get one winner out of my two that I picked one is absolutely Claire I lost an election not my mind because anytime they bring up Brandon dancing I I just gravitate towards it. It's the best running joke that they have, I think. Mm -hmm. So that was one of them. And the other, I mentioned it earlier in the episode, is when Kelly says, you're the best. And Brandon just goes, you're the best. And it was just (laughs) so cute. And I hate that now what happened at the end happened. But I thought that was cute. I love it. I do love it. Like, I feel like
1: that's a cute emotional relationship moment. I know. I know. Mary, do you have a, qu- a moment of the week or do you have
2: a 55-minute moment of the week? <laughs> oh, my God. Just give me more Outlaw Wild West Dylan. Please. Yeah. Please. Just give me a show of that. <laughs> it's all it's I want. So also, just um, the whole realization that Dixie should have been Brenda – like, yes. oh my god, I forgot to mention that. I wanted you <laughs> to talk about your theory. Okay, yeah. So, like, when I was texting y'all earlier, so I wrote, I have a theory, and tell me if I'm stupid, but I'm pretty sure Dixie should have been played by Brenda. And then also, just the way that Dylan would always rush away from Kelly to bail Brenda out of trouble. And then does that with Dixie and it gets him killed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she it's was, she fact. should have been Brenda, like Shannon Doherty, please.
0: If only they would have called her back. Honestly, she probably didn't take their calls if they did. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, I can't blame her, but I still want right. to see it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like that would have gone
1: so well and it would have been so meaningful. And I'm sure they had a very specific reason of why they used, like, an actress that we'd never seen before. Sure. But it would have been so good. And then it would have, like, opened up a lot more with the Dr. Molly, like, interpretation of things rather than just, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, Caitlin... What is next week? Because I'm sure it's not more Old West stuff, and I'm sure it's Fallout.
0: Yeah. Um, And I'm going to call it the penultimate episode of this season because we do have a two-part finale. So when you guys listen to the finale, it'll be two parts Mm -hmm. for one. Uh, So next week we have Can You Believe It? Season 5, Episode 30. Hello, Life. Goodbye, Beverly Hills. I mean, that's Andrea and Jesse. Leaving for Yale. Mayhaps. We still have technically two episodes, so. Maybe Kelly
1: going to New York. Jim quitting his job and going to prison. (laughs) 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 If I quit, they can't arrest me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast.
0: Also, shoot us over an email. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. If you have any questions, if you loved this episode, much, you know, to disagree with the rest of the world uh, who watched this episode, just let us know and do that at podcast at gmail.com.
2: That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com.
1: And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, share, subscribe. Uh, If you leave us a five-star review, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast Anything that you can, you know, share with your friends and family, it really helps us get seen and helps us build a community so that we can provide a better product to you. And we'd really appreciate it. So from all of us at Back to you Podcast, until next week, I'm Billy McCoy with a mustache and glasses.
0: Oh, shoot. I'm on my way to that Betsy surprise party.
2: i have a really huge cake to commemorate the Brandon years. Bye. Bye. See ya.